I've listened to How Big, How Blue, How Beautiful by Florence and the Machine for five years. And I listened to it once yesterday. Welcome to Spin It. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Spin It, the record-ranking podcast for people who would rather be listening to music. I'm James, and with me, how normal-sized, how not blue, how Connor. It's Connor. I'm a little blue. So how you been? How's, how's the last week treated you? The last week has been wild. How's the last year? Welcome to the new year. This is 2024. Welcome to the new age. This is not an Imagine Dragons episode, but welcome to 2024. I hope you had a good new year. New year, new podcast. Same podcast, but in a new year. New year, same podcast. Still in the year of healing. Still in the year of healing. I'm stoked for Florence and the Machine. Yeah, why? Well, because I'm a fan. I like Florence and the Machine. And I had a really, really, really hard time picking an album for this episode. Probably in 130 episodes, one of the hardest narrow downs I've ever had to do. Really? (laughs) Yes. And I hope I made the right choice, but I guess that remains to be seen. But I just feel like we've kind of been on a bit of a slump for you. I started the year of healing really strong and we went really great for a while. You were just giving out nines like candy. Yeah. I mean, even an occasional eight in there. Not too bad. Just going wild all the way up through like Taylor Swift and Kaleo. And then we kind of fell off hard after Mixtober. Six for Rush and six for Ella. The Arcadian Wild was a bit of a jump, but then the band was a seven, ACDC was a six, you picked Alan Jackson, Foo Fighters was a six, the wildlife was a six, I feel like I've been skidding. And I think Florence and the Machine might be a good way to at least put a bump in that skid, if not maybe snap it in half. Oh, we're breaking skids. It could be a skid breaker episode, I don't know. We'll find out if they are. I think we give Florence and the Machine the... The Spin It Skid Breaker Award. Yes. If they do. <laughs> I like it. Skid Breaker 2024. And if not, they get the Spin It Skid Maintainer Award. I don't know. Just Skidders. The Spin It Skidders. <laughs> Either way, we've got an award for them. Remains to be seen. How much Florence and the Machine do you know? I think you've probably heard some of their music out and about, just in the wild. Especially with as much like TV and visual media as you consume. I know 11 of their songs. You do now. But before. That's how much I knew. Not how much I knew. How about about like 25 hours ago how much did you know could not name a single song didn't think so (laughs) what about like had you heard of florence and the machine or is this another band where you're like what the heck is this yeah i think i had but i think i would have also confused them with another band which one rage against the machine i think so (laughs) that's incredibly different yeah but yeah i guess if that's kind of where your head's at this album might really catch you (laughs) off guard I mean, I don't really know any Rage Against the Machine either. It's just how many bands are there have the machine at the end of it? Well, we've only got two that we can think of right now. Can't be any others. No. Well, not Rage Against the Machine. Florence and you keep making me now want to say Florence Against the Machine. <laughs> you got it in my head. And it's not. Good. Rage Against the Florence. No, Florence works with the machine. Florence and the machine is from London, England, <laughs> and they formed in 2007. Back in the day... Teenage frontwoman Florence Welch and her friend Isabella Summers decided to start making music together. The origin of their name comes from some kind of inside joke between the two of them that led to pseudonyms. She became Florence Robot and Isabella became Issa Machine. So when it was time for their first gig, they didn't really have a name picked out yet, so they just smushed that 
together. Florence Robot is a machine. Is a, like Isa? I get it. Yeah, like Isa. Yeah, is a machine. Florence Welsh said the name was so long it would drive me mad, and it probably would. So they slashed it down to Florence and the Machine, frequently stylized with a little plus instead of and. At its inception, way back in 2007, a year which I disgustingly now realize is 17 years ago, Florence and the Machine was made up of lead vocalist Florence Welch, keyboardist and vocalist Issa Summers, bassist and guitarist Robert Ackroyd, percussionist Tom Monger, and drummer-slash-guitarist Lloyd Hayden. That would kind of be the lineup of the group until 2018, which is after How Big, How Blue, How Beautiful came out. And in that time, they would also pick up multi-instrumentalist Rusty Bradshaw and bassist Mark Saunders. Honestly, a very large band, which kind of surprised me to learn, you know, just how many people are in the machine. So many cogs. So many cogs in the machine. (laughs) Yeah. The group's first record, Lungs, came out in mid-2009, and it topped the UK charts and hit number two in Ireland. Remarkable for a debut album. Within a couple months, it sold 100,000 units, and it was at number two on the charts for five straight weeks. In July, it was released digitally in the US, digitally released, in 2009. Wild. And it entered the charts at number 17, digitally, in 2009. And it was so successful there that they're like, okay, let's let's do a physical release. Let's roll it out for real. Singles like Kiss with a Fist and Dog Days Are Over really started to make their way into film and TV, which is kind of where I thought you maybe had heard some Florence and the Machine. Stuff like Jennifer's Body, 90210, Community. So I know you're lying, or at least unaware. More unaware, probably, than lying. Probably, <laughs> yeah. Uh, they were also featured in Gossip Girl. They even got a Glee cover of one of the songs. Then their song Cosmic Love hit Grey's Anatomy, So You Think You Can Dance in the Vampire Diaries. And then Florence and the Machine wrote a song for the Twilight Eclipse soundtrack. After a singular record, one debut album, they're making huge waves, getting tremendous international exposure. I mean, those shows have enormous fan bases. Their second record, Ceremonials, obviously had a high bar to live up to. It was recorded at the Abbey Road Studios, and it came out in 2011. And after a bit of a hiatus, while the band's record label did some restructuring, they got to work on their third record, the one we're talking about today. You guessed it, how big, how blue, how beautiful. Honestly, one of the longest album titles that we've worked with so far, I think. One of, but not the longest. No, that will forever belong to I Like It When You Sleep For You're So Beautiful Yet So Unaware Of It by the 1975. But I would guess this is like second or third place. But one of the reasons they decided to take a year-long break was that Florence was really itching to recover from what she calls a bit of a nervous breakdown since the group had been so absolutely endlessly busy since 2007. So the break was like much needed and well earned. And in that period of resting and recharging, it kind of made its way into her songwriting. This album comes from a place that's really personal, really vulnerable, just really like, I don't know, cathartic in a way. Work for the Record kicked off in 2014 after their ceremonials tour ended. And Florence talked a lot about writing the album, actually. She said, I guess although I've always dealt in fantasy and metaphor when it came to writing, that meant the songs this time were dealing much more in reality. Ceremonials was so fixated on death and water, asterisk star that, water comes up again later, a lot, and the idea of escape or transcendence through death 
but the new album became about trying to learn how to live and how to love in the world rather than trying to escape from it, which is frightening because I'm not hiding behind anything, but it felt like something I had to do, which is so cool. I haven't admittedly listened to the first two Florence and the Machine albums yet. I've listened to all of their later stuff. Wow. I know. What if one of those was better? What if they would have made your choice a lot easier? It would have made my choice a lot harder. What do you mean? What if it was so much better than everything else you already knew? Well, that would actually sincerely blow my mind. Maybe I'll do it. I'll have to do that next. But yeah, it's an album about learning how to live instead of escapism. A change that I like. Where you learn a little about living and a lot about love. Yeah. On the water-filled Chattahoochee. <laughs> she got together with Marcus Draves, a producer whose past work she really admired. And he challenged her a lot to expand on her lyric writing and her sound by, first of all, altering the instrumentation from like big sweeping arrangements that they'd used on ceremonials. And he also helped spur her on to unique lyrics. She said, with Marcus, I wanted to make something that was big, but had a gentleness to it that had a warmth that was rooted. I think that's why we went back to more of the live instruments, something that was band led. And I think that shows a lot. The album has this really vibrant alt rock kind of style, I guess. It's really hard to pin down for me. I think she's just got like a special niche that you know it if you hear it. But obviously it's very, very driven by Florence's trademark, powerful, expressive vocals. Honestly, that's a lot of what carries the album. Not to like slight the instruments because they're also great, but wow, is this a vocal album. I read she has like one of the widest vocal ranges of like any artist. She can like do like three full octaves or something ridiculous. I do believe that. That's so much. I don't remember the exact fact, but I remember reading about it. There you have it. I believe it. Listen, audience, that's why you come to spin it. Groundbreaking true facts that we pseudo-remember but don't remember the full details of. I try to remember all my details. Yeah, but the other two-thirds of this podcast deal in nothing but half-truths. Touche. One intentionally and one unintentionally. (laughs) Yeah. The album came out in May of 2015, and they accompanied the release with a series of nine music videos on 11 tracks to create a 47-minute short film that's called The Odyssey. As they say, it follows Florence's personal journey to find herself again after the emotional storm of a heartbreak. Like the layers of Dante's purgatory, each song or chapter represents a battle that Florence traversed and physical landscape that embodied each song or story. And it's interesting because the Odyssey music videos aren't sequential with the album. They're all out of order. So I wonder why they chose to order the album this way that was incongruous with the music videos, but I don't know. How Big, How Blue, How Beautiful was a significant success critically and with the fans alike. Many people still consider it the group's best record of all time, and that's one of the reasons I was so conflicted. I don't think How Big, How Blue, How Beautiful is my favorite Florence and the Machine record, but... Fan opinion seems to be starkly divided, and I think a lot of people do consider this their best or their favorite record. So I went with it. I went for it. I figured it'd be a better starting spot for you coming in cold than the other one I was eyeing up, which is high as hope. How Big, How Blue, How Beautiful was nominated for five Grammys, and Rolling Stone deemed it the 68th best album of the 2010s, which was a decade chock full of pretty great records. So that's telling, I think, about how this album is perceived. It debuted at number one in the UK and in the US, with 68,000 and 137,000 units sold, respectively. It also debuted at number one in Canada and was a chart topper in Ireland, Poland, Switzerland, and New Zealand. It made the top five in eight other countries and the top 10 in another four. And within a year, 
How Big, How Blue, How Beautiful would sell a million copies worldwide. Also trivia, you know, to talk about how big they went on the arrangements here, more than 65 additional musicians are credited in the album's liner notes. They play everything from extra guitars and percussion to French horns and glockenspiels, not to mention like an actual orchestra of violins and cellos. It's really interesting to see how much manpower went into this record. Love it. So that's where we're at today. The album that I grappled with so hard was their next record, their fourth, Highest Hope. It came out in 2018. I love that album. Man, they had the highest hope for album and you didn't even pick it. I know. I I love it so much. It's seriously no joke. I don't think I'm exaggerating. It's really one of the best modern pieces of audio media that I've ever heard. It's heartfelt and compelling and artful, but not in the way like you hated Kid A, but in a way that's actually palatable and really accessible. We'll see. We'll see. We'll have to see. The band also underwent some lineup changes. A few members decided to move on, go in other directions. Post-pandemic, Florence and the Machine kept touring and headlining major music festivals. Their fifth and currently most recent record, Dance Fever, came out in 2022, which is now two years ago at this point. Whoa, that's weird to think about. Yeah, that's the weird one, right? (laughs) Obviously for me, Dance Fever, following a record I just described as one of the best modern pieces of audio media I've ever heard, Dance Fever is a bit of a step down. But, I mean, it's got its merits, and it's got its hit tracks. I love them a lot. Notably, Isabella Summers actually sat out for the writing and production of Dance Fever, nor did she tour with the band to support the record. So that's an interesting difference between the two. But as far as accolades go, Florence and the Machine have picked up 25 major awards on 115 nominations, which is stellar, including two... 2015 BBC Music Award nominations, two Billboard Music Award nominations, two Brit Awards on 12 nominations, seven Grammy nominations, one MTV Video Music Award on seven nominations, and three NME Awards, plenty of UK Music Video Awards, and much, much more. Florence Welch herself also has a handful of solo nominations and award wins. So that's the lowdown on Florence and the Machine. That's the introduction. Now you know. And now what we're about to know are four new facts-ish. Maybe they're spins. Maybe they're no new facts. I don't know. Either way, it's time to get the mixtape out here and play some fact or spin. There'll be four new things, which is whether or not they're true things. Mm, You're right. And they'll actually all be true. You will learn four new things. You'll either learn four new things that are true about Florence and the Machine. Or four things that are not true. (laughs) Or some combination in between. But you'll get four pieces of trivia. Yeah, but it's something that doesn't happen isn't really a piece of trivia. Sure it is. Florence Welch was not the first person to land on the moon that's That's not trivia trivia. no sure it is it's trivial doesn't matter (laughs) it's trivia Hmm. you can know a negative i guess okay whatever (laughs) i hope doesn't come into play time to bring out the mixtaper the mixtaper ladies and gentlemen here he is hey it's me the mixtape. Dun, 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 dun. It'll give you four new negatives to know. You better not. <laughs> but that just means four spins. I can prepare for that. Well, let's just jump right into the first one. Let's see if we start the year 50-50, like we started and ended last year. Yeah. Maybe we'll make progress. Who knows? Am I still in the lead? Yeah, for now. And then for the year of healing, I'm up a couple, I think, on you, which I need to correct. Yeah. yeah or really, you need to correct by getting them right. I mean, you have all the power here. Well, I'm doing my best. I just present the facts. It's true. And my first one is... Oh, boy. They had a technological malfunction at a major event. 
Very straightforward, but very vague. What's the technological malfunction? Sound. Ooh. Or a lack thereof. That was what I was going to say. Yeah, that's not good. Now, what's the major event? The Nobel Peace Prize ceremony. What? Oh, that is major. That's way more major than anything I thought you were going to say. <laughs> Florence the Machine shows up at the Nobel Peace Prize ceremony. When? What year? On December 11th. 2010. Okay. To perform? Yeah. Or to be like a recipient? No. Okay, just showing up to play. As one does. That's what I usually do. I just show up to play. Factor spin. Uninvited. Unannounced. So they get up on stage. Is the technical malfunction, like, do they do a sound check that works fine and the technical malfunction happens during the performance? I assume they do a sound check ahead of time. I assume they don't go in cold. But when they went up to do the actual performance, they had sound issues. Like what? No sound at all? First two songs... The microphone wasn't working. Ooh. Two songs? Why wouldn't they go try and look into that after the first song? Well, they tried to get it fixed before they started, but, you know, the Nobel Peace Prize ceremony has a pretty uh, strict schedule, I'm sure. Wait, yeah, I'd say. <laughs> and what are you going to do? It's the Nobel Peace Prizes. They can't get angry at you. It's a very <laughs> calm place. And so she just performed without a microphone. Ooh, that sounds cool. What about the rest of the band? Their instruments working fine? Uh, I assume. what they play? Songs? It really doesn't say. Okay, but why Florence and the Machine at the Peace Prizes? It was Florence and the Machine and Elvis Costello. Ooh, okay. It was held in Oslo, Norway, apparently. That's cool. Yeah, that's usually where they do that, right? I don't got a doctorate in Nobel Peace Prize. No, they try not to award the Nobel Peace Prize to supervillains. Try not to, but sometimes they mess up. (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm skeptical because... Kind of recently, when you would have been finding facts for this episode, a similar technological malfunction happened at a less major event. Yeah, what? Well, Dolly Parton performed at a UT football game, but her microphone didn't work. Oh. It was kind of exactly this, but different. (laughs) I can 100% promise you, regardless of if this is true or false, I had no idea that happened. (laughs) No, I figured that was the case, and I just wanted to bring it up to make sure that you would deny that you knew that would happen, because there's no way you knew that happened like outside of the game i had no idea that happened right <laughs> like i'm not even like potentially lying about knowing that happened i 100 did not know that happened i know which is what i thought it's just suspicious i think this is true otherwise knowing that you don't know about that i think this is true this is a spin oh, no <laughs> really yeah wow what's the they deal? absolutely performed at the nobel peace prize on december 11 2010 and it went fine and it just went fine yeah that's, that's boring <laughs> well yeah exactly it wasn't cool but i thought them performing at the nobel peace prize ceremony was cool and worth mentioning but i had to make it a little more interesting for factor spin yeah it is absolutely worth mentioning and absolutely badly spun Hey, it was spun great. You fell for it. Spun well, badly, just like, you know, if I wrecked my bike and it was all Uh, bent out of shape, I'd say I badly wrecked. It was just thoroughly spun. Oh, okay. It was thoroughly spun. I'll I'll take that. Yeah. I really don't know what order to go with with these next three. They're all kind of wild. Uh-oh. I like wild facts. (laughs) I started with the least wild, which is pretty crazy because the first one was a little wild. That's pretty big. Sometimes that's big enough for you to end a round on. Yeah. Do we want to hear about her fans, her flying ritual? Or a boy's locker room. Well, I want to satisfy my curiosity, but I also want to make everyone wait for it. Oh, okay. Let's just start with the fans. The fans? She has some very loyal fans. How loyal? What'd they do? Did they fly to Oslo, Norway to see them play? Uh, Like donor level loyalty. Donor level monetarily or like their organs? No, like organs. Wait, really? (laughs) 
Yeah. No way. I said that totally just as like a joke. Told you we got wild. Yeah, who's donating organs? What organs, first of all? Just esophagus tissue. Okay, nothing you can't live without or grow more of. That's good. Or just you have excess. Hey, hardcore fans are giving their kidneys, all right? Uh, <laughs> don't call yourself a Florence and the Machine fan unless you've only got one kidney. And you're still offering it. <laughs> and it's still up, yeah. No, why? Was this solicited? Did the band say, hey, I mean, there's a couple options. One, Give us your esophagi. <laughs> right. One, we really need some esophagus. Two, hey, we're running like an awareness campaign or like donate to this cause. You know what I mean? Like a, an awareness type thing for other people. Or I guess they some fan just could have done it for some reason. I don't know. What's the situation? None of those. <laughs> what? In 2017, there was an internet rumor that Florence needed an esophagectomy. Oh, okay. Which, upon research, is a surgical procedure used to remove some or all of the swallowing tube between your mouth and stomach, also known as your esophagus, and then reconstruct it using esophagus tissue or other organ tissue usually pulled from the stomach. So basically, you have to get like an esophagus transplant, basically, and to repair the bad parts of your esophagus. Whoa. So when this was spreading around, a lot of fans were like, you can have some of my esophagus tissue if you need it. Wow. Everyone just wants to be Florence's throat. Yeah, apparently. Oh. I mean, I don't even think that would really work. I was thinking about that. I was like, wouldn't it like your body probably like they have a hard time getting like kidneys and stuff to not be rejected by the body to match and yeah, and to take. So it's like they probably would just use the good parts of her esophagus. And then like it says in the thing, like parts of her stomach or other organs she doesn't need to repair it or whatever. Yeah. But I mean, good on the fans for volunteering theirs. <laughs> okay. So nobody actually did it. No, no. They just were volunteering oh, on social media. That's absurd. Wouldn't that affect her voice? Like, if she just took someone else's throat, surely that messes with your vocal cords. Yeah, well, uh, as far as I can tell, she didn't actually need this. I don't really know how this no. rumor got started. Probably some <laughs> fan wanted to give their esophagus. I found no details corroborating that she actually needed this. Just that there was this thread going all around on social media that she needed it. This is tough because she didn't actually need the surgery. This fact is just about whether I think fans offered. Correct. And whether they were serious or not, I think people would do this. I'm going to say it's a fact. Now, if someone had actually done this, or if you said someone had actually done this, I would say no way. Like, not at all. Oh, not yeah, out. no. Garbage. But since they all they had to do was just say, like, yeah, I'd do that. Surely someone did, right? I don't know. Maybe this wasn't even a real rumor. Oh, now I'm in my head. All right, just lock it <laughs> This is a spin. Should have stayed in your own head a little longer. You gotta be kidding me. <laughs> really? Not true at all. This was a fan-suggested spin. Wow. Shoot. Well, I'm over two. <laughs> this is turning out to be a great week so far for the new year. Yeah, I suppose so. Let's go with the flying rituals next. Okay. She has a weird flying ritual. <laughs> That's the predictable. We've had some weird flight stories before and some weird ritual stories, but never have the two cross, I think. Here they shall. Two parallel lines are about to intersect. What's her weird flying ritual? I think before I can really explain the ritual, I need to start with the trivia tidbit that she's afraid of flying, supposedly. Sure. That's kind of what I thought. Which is why she has this ritual. Most people who aren't afraid of flying like don't have ritualistic tendencies. Sees, I guess. What's her afraid of flying flying ritual? It's a two-parter. Okay, part one. And like the two parts happen at the same time, but it's like two separate things that are happening that work together. Okay, parts one and two. Part one is she watches planes flying slash taking off. 
like in the airport out the window or like pulls up videos on her phone yeah like pulls up videos on her phone and watches them oh part two is she uses one of those neck pillows that has the built-in massager and cooling jets wow to simulate turbulence and takeoff stop <laughs> just someone someone sitting in the airport with a neck pillow shaking so violently that it simulates turbulence oh no this is on the plane. <laughs> well, it, I didn't say it simulated it well. I mean, I, I guess I can't speak to okay. how well it simulates it, but true. That's the idea. Is once she's seated on the plane and is waiting for takeoff, you know, she starts getting real nervous about it, and so she watches planes taking off and flying while turning on the pillow to like get her body in the mindset of the takeoff. Yeah. Okay. And that's pretty much all I got for you. Has it helped? Uh, I mean, she's still doing it, so I assume so. If it didn't work, I don't think she'd be doing it. <laughs> it wouldn't be a ritual. Yeah, that's true. It would be, I'll try it and it didn't work and we're done. <laughs> I would imagine she's flown a lot, right? For concerts, for, I don't know, recording. Just like as an internationally known musician, you probably have to hop on a plane quite frequently. Probably. Oh, man, I don't know which way to go. It's a tough episode for you. Don't know which way to go in fact or spin. Don't know which album to pick. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm so indecisive. You're just full of indecision. <laughs> I think this is a spin. Go and spin. I'm going to go spin. Go ahead and lock that in for me. I will lock in spin, and I think it's because you were so specific about the neck pillow. Okay. That's really where I'm at. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like the cooling jets thing was a bit much. Does that really help simulate turbulence? Would she really like say that specifically in an interview? I don't think so. Okay. That's a spin for me. This is a true factual spin. Okay. That doesn't mean anything. It's just a spin. Yeah. It's just not true. It's just not true. Your fake outs one of these days are going to confuse the audience. And they're going to be like, wait, yeah. what? Was that true? I just need to be clear. That was a spin. It's a spin, but partially true. You just wanted to make me panic for a second. What part? She is afraid of flying. Yeah. But the watching plane flying videos and using a neck massager to stimulate turbulence was something I found on a 10 ways to get over your fear of flying. So the neck pillow thing is the thing people really do. Yeah. Interesting. Because like turbulence, it's like the worst part of the flight. Yeah. Like let me put myself in the worst part of the flight. So that you get over it and you're used to it by the time it actually happens. Yeah. And I guess if you do it with intent, it's probably... It hits different. Like, you can't tickle yourself, right? Yeah. Maybe you can't make yourself afraid of turbulence. <laughs> I don't know. You can't turbulence yourself. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, we've got one left. It's about a boy's locker room, and it's for 50-50. You can still pull out the 50-50. Oh, scary stuff. She really likes the smell of a boy's locker room. I mean, probably. First of all, I mean, it's, I'm flashing back to, like, middle school gym class, and it's just a cloud of axe. Yeah. So I don't think that she probably does like the smell of a boy's locker room. I wasn't going for an axe, but I was going for more like a boy's locker room that maybe hasn't been opened or hasn't been axified in a while. What? Just a musky smell of sweat. Okay, the musky smell of sweat. Then we need to move on to the probably thing. Because Yeah. I mean, I don't know if she actually likes this smell, but she's gotta, probably, if she likes this other smell. We're inferring things here. Yeah. So what smell does she like that leads you to believe she likes the smell of a, of a men's locker room? Before I can tell you the smell she likes, let me tell you a smell she hates. <laughs> okay. Yeah, see, this is the negative thing. I get it now. I told you it was coming. <laughs> she hates the smell of deodorant. Okay, but then to hate the smell of deodorant, you either have to always suffer or enjoy the smell of odor. She likes the smell of sweat. Huh. Or really, to put it exactly, 
she isn't a huge fan of the smell of deodorant and loves the smell of sweat and prefers a more natural scent over the smell of deodorant. Really? Oh, wow. We had to end with this. <laughs> you picked to end with this. I, I did. I know. <laughs> Likes the smell of sweat. Why? Couldn't tell you. But deodorant has so many smells. Like, there's not just one scent. I agree. Does she hate them all? What about, like, cologne and aftershave and perfume? Like, other things that aren't strictly deodorant by name, but are also, like, deodorizing. Maybe she's okay with ones that still leave that kind of natural body scent. I don't know. Couldn't tell you. Ah, uh, couldn't tell me. What could you tell me? What I've already told you. Not a big fan of deodorant. <laughs> Loves the smell of sweat. There you go. Probably enjoys a boy's locker room. <laughs> it's such a weird thing to assert about someone. Just for the record, like... Hey, I haven't asserted anything. You're the one that's going to be doing the asserting here when you tell me if you think it's true or not. Well, I'm not asserting anything about the boy's locker room. <laughs> well, that's the fact. You gotta. I need you to lock in if you think she probably likes the smell of a boy's locker room. Weird. <laughs> yeah, I think this is strangely a fact. <laughs> well, I'm just looking at the whole collection here. We've got three spins on the table. Yep. You could spin four times. Or I've three and one. But this is exactly the kind of thing that you would read somewhere and be like, that's strange. I'll include it. I don't know. I just think this one is, if one of these is going to be true, this one seems to be the true one. Do what your gut tells you. My gut is telling me that this is strange, but <laughs> it's telling me it's a fact. So you believe she probably likes the smell of a boy's locker room. I need you to say that, please. If a boy's locker room smells like sweat, I believe she probably likes it more than one smelling like deodorant. Okay, I'll accept that as the sound, but this is a true fact. Yes, saved it at the last second. 50-50. Pulls it back for the 50-50. Weird. Wow. <laughs> I know. That's really something. <laughs> she mentioned it in an interview with The Cut. Okay. There's a whole article titled, Florence Welch Thinks You Smell Better Without Deodorant. Simple enough. Really putting the, the clickbait right in the headline. Yeah. That's interesting. And sure, you know what? Why not? I'm not here to yuck someone's yum. It's just certainly a yuck for me. She said her first scent memory. Scent memory? Okay. Here's the full quote. It's sort of embarrassing, but I feel like I've always been kind of like a little animal, really <laughs> interested in smells and quite overwhelmed sensorially a lot of the time. I love smells and I love people smells. And I remember there was this girl in my class who smelled really great. I remember just going up to her and smelling her shoulder and she was like, stop smelling me, laughs. I remember realizing, oh, this is not socially acceptable. But I think her mom must have used amazing laundry detergent or something. There was no fabric softener or anything like that in our house. And people at school whose parents had fabric softener had clothes that smelled amazing. But yes, I learned from an early age that it's not okay to just smell people. What an incredible <laughs> quote. Wow. The full article so you can read it, but I couldn't really give you much of it because it would make it sound more true when I have all the, those quotes. Sure. I, that certainly would have... Well, I don't know, though, because that quote wasn't exactly about people smell. It was about laundry detergent. You might have, I don't know, thrown me off the <laughs> scent. <laughs> it's an entire article about what she smells what happiness smells like to her what friendship smells like what regret smells like the first thing she smells in the morning the last thing she smells at night wow so almost like a synesthesia type thing and then here a center smell that i love that others usually don't i think all of this goes back to being a sort of animal person but i really like the smell of sweat i don't like it if people wear synthetic deodorant i would rather just smell the human if you know what i mean i like that kind of musky animal scent 
there you go. So, you know, boys locker room, probably. Probably. Who knows? Mix Saber, it's been a fantastic start to the year. What a wild start to the year, actually. <laughs> Hard to believe. And now we've learned four things about Florence. We've learned that nothing went wrong at their performance at the Nobel Peace Prize. We learned that nobody has donated their esophagus to her. Has offered to donate the esophagus. Or has offered. Yeah, not even offered. What kind of fans are you, really? Yeah, really. Get out there and start offering. Just everybody <laughs> start, start offering, offering your them esophagus. your esophagus. Yeah. We also learned that she flies normally like a normal person <laughs> except just afraid and that she has abnormal scent loves well to go with the negative we've learned that she does not like the way you probably smell <laughs> so there she does not like the way you pretend to smell she prefers the way you actually smell <laughs> right you actually smell yeah it's all a facade yeah mixtaper we will see you next week for another exciting round of true or false but either way trivial things and until then yeah. Huh, yeah. Welcome back, Connor. Are you ready to talk about the, well, album cover briefly? Sure. Okay. The album cover is a picture of Florence with her hand up there. Tom Beard was the photographer for this picture. Brian Redinger was the art director. And that's all I have to say about it. Honestly, I kind of like the cognitive dissonance between an album called How Big, How Blue, How Beautiful and an album cover that just lacks color. There's nothing blue about it. I don't know. Is That seems weird to me. But I honestly kind of think it works. This album kind of feels like a very cloudy album, right? So many songs about storms and shipwrecks and just like, I don't know, it feels cloudy. Black and white feels like a good color scheme for this album. And I think in that way, honestly, how big, how blue, how beautiful as a song and as an album title stands out because it's this spot of color, this little bit of like hope and brightness in this atmosphere of like learning how to live that's the whole point of the album right is persisting and existing in the world and how you do that is you find the things that are big and blue and beautiful in the various storms and the long and lost times and the wreck ships and so on what do you think of the album cover it's pretty boring okay you know it was pretty basic for an album title nothing nothing too special sure it's it's her florence got an intensity to it the eyes are intense no doubt she's staring into your soul she's trying to smell you through the cover <laughs> well we've got 11 tracks on this album to talk about today and the first one up is the second track to be released actually and that is ship to wreck cool title isn't it i know what do you think, Mister? I'm thinking of Rage Against the Machine as I click play on this album. What's what's the vibe that this album? Well, considering I didn't really know much about Rage Against the Machine's sound either, really kind of told you if it sounded like that or not. Well, it doesn't. What did you expect it to sound like, though? Ah, uh, this. Oh, well, good. I guess they portray an accurate image. A British indie rock band. Yeah. So. A lot of Florence's past songs, especially on older albums, they leaned on water as a metaphor, right? I mentioned it earlier. Tons, tons of water to the point where her producer this time just straight up said, hey, like, let's not do that, okay? You're not allowed to have any water songs on this album. And she's like, but that's what I do, you know, like water. <laughs> that's my thing. That's my thing. And uh, he said, no, you can't do it. And so she snuck it in. <laughs> in a lot of subtle ways, like Ship to Wreck. It's kind of the one exception. It's like water adjacent. 
It's not really about the water, but you know where that ship wrecked. Oh, yeah, she just built the ship to wreck. She hasn't wrecked it yet. She hasn't taken it out into the water. Yeah. She said ship to wreck was inspired by some time off I had in London where I had some drunken parties and trashed my house and said a drunken I love you too soon. Oof. Oh, I know. Big oof, right? I was thinking about my own self-destructive side and how you can make something only to tear it down. Enjoy, destroy, create, devastate etc. When you're in that whirlwind, you often end up breaking the thing you love the most. And that's where we are. Ship to wreck. You know, if you're on a boat, that ship is like your only thing out there. There's open ocean around you. That ship is like your everything. And if you're wrecking it, well, that's not good for you, to say the least. And we start the song with this interesting imagery of like sleeping with sea creatures, like you're drowning and getting thrashed about. It's kind of violent, actually. Yeah, I liked the first verse and the pre-chorus. chorus was a bit basic. Really? Eh, just was the words to wreck over and over. Well, I mean, the end of the chorus was the words to wreck over and over. I think you're skipping over the, oh, my love, remind me, what was it that I said? I can't help but pull the earth around me to make my bed. That's the pre-chorus. Well, I guess technically, but I kind of think it's like a chorus. I literally said I liked the verse and pre-chorus. Chorus was basic. Okay. Well, if the chorus you're considering to wreck, to wreck, to wreck, sure. But the pre-chorus, you're right, is excellent. Did I drink too much? Am I losing touch? Did I create another thing for me to ruin for myself? And what about the bridge? I love the bridge so much. Under starless skies we're lost, and into the breach we got tossed. My favorite line in the song was actually pulling the earth around me to make my bed. Oh, totally. One of my favorite lyrics on the album. Probably. And it comes so early and so fast. Yeah. I think it's a great song to start off the album because it's got the like depth of meaning it's memorable with its little i mean basic as you say chorus but it's also you know it's that up tempo gets us into the setting i like it a lot and the energy certainly doesn't decrease from this point with what kind of man that was the album's lead single they kind of got flipped on the track order for the record i guess what kind of man starts on a smaller note the first of many like quieter more reserved notes when it starts but it builds into this like absolute thumping admonition right it's shaming a partner who really has not lived up to expectations at all i mean lyrically i was trying to cross a canyon with a broken limb you were on the other side apathetic i buckled down and dealt with the problem you were on the other side like always you could never make up your mind it's biting and I think at the beginning, it starts out as kind of like a cold resentment. And as the song progresses, it just grows into this vicious kind of fire. It does. It grows really interestingly. It takes about a minute to really get there. It does. But wow, it feels good. I like those whoa. Oh, yeah, we know you love a good whoa oh song. But once again, the chorus was kind of basic. What kind of man loves like this? What kind of man? What kind of man loves like this? What kind of man? Yeah, but I mean, you can't overlook the rest of everything. No, I'm just saying. It's one of those situations where everything around the chorus is so good that I know they can do it. And so it disappoints me a little when the chorus kind of falls a little bit to me uh, lyrically yeah but i think in this song it kind of works out a little better because that's just like the punch only because of what the instrumentation is doing to support it well maybe i just think like thematically that's the punch like we're building and building we're giving examples of what he's done and then we just get so like the frustration boils over and we're like what kind of person are you like that's the only thought left yeah like what kind of man can attract her so completely but then just drop the ball in so many fundamental ways just give me a second line about that what kind of man can love like this and then like do something else with the second couplet what kind of man can love like this what kind of man can smell like this i don't know <laughs> this <laughs> yeah 
I would say it's not my favorite song on the album, but it's so memorable. I Like when I was looking between this album and High as Hope, I was just going down the track list of this album going, that's a good one, that's a good one, that's a good one. Like I remember this very clearly. I remember that, I remember this, I remember that. I think High as Hope's a little more understated, but this album has a lot more like moments. There's just a lot of choruses too. I think What Kind of Man suffers from a lot of choruses. I just, you know, wish I could say when looking at a chorus, how big, how blue, how beautiful. Well, you certainly can on track three, a title track. Title track! How big, how blue, how beautiful. The long and short of it is Florence was hanging out in Los Angeles. She looked up to the sky and she had three thoughts. Guess what they were? Be honest. Be honest. I wish I could just get a chorus that wasn't like one or two lines repeated. Oh, is that going to be the nail in your coffin on this album? It just, I'm waiting on one that doesn't. Like, come on, we're three tracks in. Yeah, but the rest of the the chorus being one line makes it really hooky and memorable. I like it. No, yeah. And then everything around it is just built up so well. I would say this is the least offender so far okay because it's short right i'm okay with a repeated course as long as it's short sure it's like you said on this one it really kind of ties the pre-chorus to the next verse in a nice way oh it sure does and so this one wasn't as noticeable because it feels more like a stinger to the end of the verses it does and i think it's a nice change of pace from like the the frantic faster lyrics of meanwhile Mm -hmm. a man was falling from space and every day but then we get how big how blue Mm -hmm. like it's such a contrast between the world around her and the sky above her it's just one of those things that it follows two other tracks that also did that and didn't do it as well certainly does it the best on this track i'll agree man i just love it it's a song about recognizing beauty everywhere every city was a gift and every skyline was a kiss upon the lips and i was making you a wish in every skyline acdc that's how you mix a metaphor okay <laughs> like if you're gonna do it that's how you do it i think there's just so much certified poetry on this whole album meanwhile a man was falling from space as he hit the earth i left this place and let the atmosphere surround me it's so seamless there's so many syllables in there it's just it feels like it should be clunkier than it ends up being and i love the melody here like what are we gonna do like just excellent what did you think about the big like instrumental outro at the end where we kind of just exist in that orchestration for a little while i really liked it and then i liked it even more because track four starts with another instrumental so we lived in the instrumental space for a while oh yeah we certainly do i think how big how blue how beautiful into queen of peace is probably the strongest back-to-back on this album i'm pretty sure queen of peace is such a cool song we did it we made it we did it finally to a good chorus a chorus that isn't just one line repeated she can do it the machine it's possible the machine has learned (laughs) ai it's a learning (laughs) machine it's true actually this is such a strong chorus one of my favorites i'm overcome dissolving like the setting sun oh honestly one of my favorites too i can't (laughs) deny it i mean i'm disagreeing with what you're saying but also i fully agree (laughs) it's great i love the lyrics i love the vocal rhythm i love the way the instrumentals support it it's it's honestly a master class in chorus writing such a master class that's exactly how you describe it yes so much i mean just every single thing about the chorus works towards a common goal of greatness 
It's true. The doo 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 that's going on mixed in with the bong bong. You know, it's it's so good. Yeah, it is. I love it. I love it too. And the way she holds out the ending notes of the line and the instruments kind of ramp up and ebb and flow with it. So it's like it's not overpowering when she's saying the line, but then when she's holding it out, they kind of take over the focus. I mean, it's great. It is. Florence says Queen of Peace was written with Marcus Travis at a time when he was getting me to write triumphant songs about overcoming things, but I still wasn't in the best place. We reached a different kind of triumph through struggle rather than pretending everything was fine. So that's like the genesis of this song. The king and the queen in their kingdom, they win a battle, but they lose their son in the fight. Mm -hmm. So this song really does an excellent job in exploring what it's like to feel deep grief in the midst of what would otherwise be a really joyous time, right? Everyone around you is celebrating. Everything around you is going well. But like we've just experienced this crushing loss in the middle of it. Suddenly we're overcome, dissolving like the setting sun, like a boat into oblivion. And while the king has gone mad, suddenly it's the queen of peace's responsibility to bring stability to the family. Heck yeah. Even though she's still trying to work through the grief on her own. Heck yeah. I mean, wow. What a story. What a setting. What an execution. I think queen of peace is, is like the gem the crown jewel of this album. If this album was Queen of Peace 11 times, I'd maybe like it more. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> no, that's not true. <laughs> Perfect 10. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Queen of Peace. 10 out of 10. And then she follows it up with Various Storms and Saints, which also has a good chorus. Yeah. We're two in a row here. I knew she could do it. It's just, I guess she just put them all in a row here. <laughs> Various Storms and Saints. We are at the midpoint. Still a kind of watery song with rain and a storm, but hey. It's her thing. It's her thing. Water. She actually considered cutting Various Storms and Saints from the record altogether. She thought it was too sad, but she decided it was too important not to share. So it's a great ballad. Great, right? I know. She said, I found the closeness and the intimacy of the song really hard to deal with. But she said she wanted people who were experiencing the same kind of sadness that she describes in the song to see her and to hear her story and to know that it gets better. So we get this kind of apocalyptic type imagery of banks on the river breaking, storms and saints filling the air and the streets. There's like destruction and chaos and good and bad all kind of clashing together in one moment. So, I mean, the song itself doesn't sound intense melodically, but lyrically it paints this very intense picture something's electric in your blood you know i think this is just a great showcase for her voice it is it really shows off that range that i mentioned at the beginning of the episode potentially three octaves we may never know <laughs> no way to figure that out but certainly this is strong evidence for it oh she's just got such a strong like alto yeah. right? the way that she just belts out these mid low notes just crushes me it's so good and the lesson she learns at the end of the day of various storms and saints is to hold on to her heart and to keep it safe which is an important lesson to learn and i think a good message for anyone that's feeling that kind of hurt you know here's how i started to overcome it it may not be the most memorable song on the album from a musical standpoint but it's definitely like a linchpin emotionally and the album would feel like lesser without it it was memorable to me memorable to you yeah. hey, that's good remember away i remembered it up next is another one of my favorite songs from this album and it's fourth single delilah hey there delilah what's it like in that's city? so beneath how dare you <laughs> even compare the two i'm sorry that's all i can think of when i hear the name delilah well i know it's certainly the most prominent popular use of delilah <laughs> it's true that song 
is doing so much work for the Delilahs of the world and their public image. Good work? Yeah, I like the song. I feel like anybody out there named Delilah probably, like, fundamentally despises the plain white tees. Yeah, but, I mean, it gets their name out there. I mean, sure, but, like, I bet every single person, like, slides into their DMs with lines from that song. Yeah, probably. Be original. Uh, Not to, like, speak for Delilahs. I really don't know. (laughs) But if I were hitting on a Delilah, that's what I would do, and I know she'd be sick of it. I mean, maybe, I mean, if they're entering with, but just believe me, girl, someday I'll pay the bills line, I mean. That's a weird place to come in. I don't even think she would recognize that line was from the song. Ooh, or hit them with the opener of two more years and you'll be done with school. (laughs) Whether they're in school or not, you don't really even know. Just hit them with that line. No, what you got to do is hit them with the line, drifting through the halls with the sunrise, holding on for your call. And if she's a Florence and the Machine fan, she'll be like, oh, a man of culture. Oh. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) A man who can have a chorus that is exactly what Connor was talking about a few songs ago. This is a specific delight as a fan of the podcast. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But... Remember a couple of tracks ago and I said I just wanted the like second repeat to just add a little something to it? This song does it. Yep. They hit you with the same line, it's a different kind of danger, but then mix it up to and my feet are spinning round instead of and the bells are ringing out. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they use that same hook of it's a different kind of danger, but they mix up what follows it. That's all I was asking those first couple to do. Well, we got there. I'm glad we got like the first three out of the way with the first three tracks and this album could like do better for you after that. Maybe it's like a little head fake. And again, to be clear, I like the first three. I just had to point that out. Sure. It's point outable. Delilah, the song, draws from the story of Samson and Delilah in the Old Testament of the Bible. Basically, Samson prays to God for like superhuman strength, but he falls in love with and puts his trust in Delilah, a woman who's acting undercover for his enemies. And so she learns and exploits his weakness to make him vulnerable. So that's what this song kind of draws on. It's an intense story. Florence says, This was one of the first songs Issa and I wrote for this record while we were at Gijam Studios in Jamaica. It's based on a party we had just been to in Miami, the biblical tale of Samson and Delilah, and the agony of the mobile phone in modern relationships. Basically, she's had a busy, party-filled night. Maybe she doesn't remember it too clearly, She's just dreading that next morning phone call. You know, I gotta, I gotta call someone and talk about what's happened. And I don't feel good about it. That's the vibe. I really like the call and response style in Delilah. I think it suits the song really, really well. Honestly, especially if it's about cell phones and calling people, you know, call and response kind of works. And I like that it's upbeat again. We kind of bounce right out of various storms and saints. And there's some really interesting lyrics in here too. I'm calling for my mother as I pull the pillars down. Like the tragic end to Samson's story. Spoiler alert for the story that's like thousands of years old. But Samson, after he's been chained up and tortured and captured by his enemies on account of Delilah, and after he like realizes the mistake he's made and what he's done, he prays for strength one last time and brings this giant building down on top of his tormentors, killing them and himself in the process. So to me, pulling the pillars down, it's another self-destructive line that kind of calls back to the same self-destructiveness we saw in Ship to Wreck. Kind of another touch point for that emotion. And I like it a lot. It's subtle, but clever. Her vocal range really shines in that interlude. Yeah. This is where you get the, the higher notes. We got the lower notes on Queen of Peace and Various Storms and Saints. And honestly, in Delilah, some of the call and response parts, she hits the low notes. And then some of the call and response parts, she hits some very high notes. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's a long song at almost five minutes. 
I don't care. It could be three more minutes. Well, maybe. Yeah, I cared a little. Okay, a little is okay. How'd you feel about Long and Lost? I'm just trying to find where I read the three-octave thing. <laughs> we'll find it someday. Long and Lost is honestly a song that kind of gets a little lost on me after I've listened to this whole album. And not because it's bad or anything. Just look at what's around it. Yeah, oh, I found it. Oh. I just confirmed her vocal type is lyrical mezzo-soprano. And she has a three-octave range from D3 to A6. Whoa, that's a hefty range. That range has a lot of heft to it. No doubt. Now that we've solved the mystery, we can rest easy. What did you think about Long and Lost? Oh, Miley Cyrus's vocal range is B2 to EB5. EB5? You mean E-flat 5? Maybe. Hard to tell. No, it's not, though. It's not. <laughs> One's a note, one just isn't. Oh, Russian Ukrainian artist Vitas has a seven octave vocal range. Oh my gosh. That's like, that's a piano. <laughs> yeah. Ariana Grande's on the list. Yeah, she's got like that whistle range. She whistles the note E7 in her cover of Mariah Carey's Emotions. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you realize how high that note is? Do you realize how high an E7 is? Yeah. Okay, this is a nice interjection. We'll return with Long and Lost. Yes, yes, In yes, a minute. Yes. Vetus, seven octaves. Only one on the list was seven octaves. In the six people of note grimes six octave range mike Patton. who's mike Patton? he sounds like a regular guy mike yeah. Patton just sounds like he could live down the street <laughs> but those are the sixes oh there's a five and a half octave here which is axel rose nice and the fives is where you'll find mariah carey in the four and a halfs is where kate bush and prince are in the fours is where you find freddie mercury tina turner ariana grande Steve Perry, Celine Dion, Christina Aguilera. A lot of people in the fours. People who I think of as having like exceptional vocal ranges. Yeah, down here in fours. And there's still three octaves below some of the the biggest. Yeah, which is crazy. And then down here at the threes is where you find Whitney Houston, Adam Lambert, Rihanna, Sia. That blows my mind that Vetus can sing a piano. That's what's got me. Any note you could play on a piano, like there's three you could play that he couldn't sing. Apparently, there is a singular woman who holds the record who was trained at the Aqui Jazz at Lyre Music School in Sao Paulo who has full eight octave vocal range. Whoa. Her name is Georgia Brown, and she holds the Guinness World Record for hitting a G10, the highest note by a human. That's unthinkable. <laughs> like, you can't even conceptualize what a G10 sounds like. No, there's a video here of it. Hang on, I'm about to conceptualize it. <laughs> the note G10 is so high, it's technically not a note, but a frequency. <laughs> She's singing it in frequencies. Oh my gosh. Whoa. Like a dog whistle. So we can confirm that she does have that octave, three octave range. That's exciting. Yeah. And impressive. Yeah. I mean, not that impressive after what we just saw. But now we've just, (laughs) we were so impressed and then we just dwarfed it. Yeah. We were like, man, three octaves. And we're like, oh, here's a whole list of people with more. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, what did you think about Long and Lost? Now we can jump back. I liked it. Me too. I think it's just tough to, it's surrounded by such stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Long and Lost feels like it suffers from its context. I feel about Long and Lost how we just did to Florence and the Machine. I was like, wow, what a good song. And then we just listened to Delilah and Caught is coming up. And wow. Yeah. I like this one more than Delilah. Really? Yeah. 
Wow. Hot take. Mm-hmm. At least I'm calling it a hot take. It might not really be. To me, it was the opposite. I was like, Delilah, good song. But it followed various Storms and Saints. And then after it is long and lost, I was like, it kind of got dwarfed <laughs> by what came before and after it. I see. You're kind of being a contrarian on this one then. A little bit, yeah. Just in that pick. Like with the Spotify plays, you know. Yeah. That's cool. I like that. You know, if I always agreed with the people, I wouldn't be their champion. I'd be their lackey. So Yeah. Just tell them what they want to hear. I'm not the people's yes man. No. Long and Lost is about the speaker looking back after a long relationship ended, wondering if their ex is missing them. Is it too late to come on home? Are those bridges now old stone? Is there any possibility that we could make it back to where we once were? Who knows? I also got to point out in the bridge, it's been so long between the words we spoke. Will you be up there on the shore? Hint, water again. (laughs) She really snuck it in. Really snuck it in everywhere. Producer said no water. She said yes water. Little water, yeah. And again, on the course, mixes up the second line, keeps it grounded with, is it too late to come on home? But the second line's different. Are those bridges now old stone? The second line's always the same, though. What are you talking about? I just mean it goes... Like, can the city forgive? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Versus Old Stone. Within the chorus. Got it. Within a chorus, not from chorus to chorus. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's intra, it's inter-chorus. Inter-chorus. Not intra-chorus. No, no, the term I don't like. It's too close to a different term. (laughs) But that's what you're describing. I mean. (laughs) We're talking about inter-chorus. Honestly, I'd love to give, I kind of now want to give them the spinning intra-chorus award. Well, we still don't know if she's getting a skid. I know. A skid breaker or skid maker award yet. I know. We'll find out. Well, up next is Caught, a song that, what, you liked more, less? I can't tell if your inverted context thing, like, applied to Caught or was just about the sandwich of Delilah between various storms and states and long and lost. Oh, you want me to tell you now? (laughs) Yeah, Caught. How'd you feel? Didn't like it as much as long and lost. Interesting. Okay. I actually like Caught better than Long and Lost. <laughs> Wild. Now he's the contrarian, according to the Spotify plays. Me. We've taken turns. We're switching contrary opinions. But it's a song of synonyms. You know, she's caught. She's stuck. She's trapped. And not in a good way. She's hooked. Hooked. Yeah. She can't keep calm. She's being pulled apart against her will. It's rough. And the verses make it seem like she's under the spell of this dream. Like she's got this desire she can't shake. And she's thrashing on the line between desperate and divine. It's a lot. You're right. Hooked. That's a good adjective for the song. What about the vocals, though? I feel like this is like a choir type song. Yeah. She's got such a chorus of voices behind her. It's good. I know. I love it. It's it's another new dimension. This album has so many different facets that each song kind of brings up, right? With... The up-tempo, ship to wreck, with the like power punch of what kind of man, the lyrical cadence variation of how big, how blue, how beautiful, with the good chorus of Queen of Peace, <laughs> the instrumental orchestral intro of Queen of Peace, and then like various storms and saints, the lower, softer side, Delilah with the really good storytelling, and the call and response vocal, long and lost with everything it was, now caught with a choir. feel like we never get too bored. And I really love the cadence of the chorus, too. And I'm caught. Just she holds it out so long. It really gives you a, a second to like indulge in it. And I like that. And we kind of go somewhere in between, I think, choir and instrumental as we jump into third eye. It's kind of like a choir being an orchestra. Yeah. I guess. It's a really interesting transition. Third eye is all about coming out of your shell and learning to love. She says she wrote the song to encourage someone else, but in the process, 
of writing the song, she was reflecting and realized, oh, everything I'm writing also applies to me. Hence the bridge. I'm the same, I'm the same, I'm trying to change, which I take to mean, right? Those two I'm the sames, ironically, mean different things. First of all, I'm the same as you, right? I relate to you in this way. And then two, I'm the same as I've always been. I'm trying to change. I'm the same as you. I've been stagnant. I'm trying to break out of the cycle. Does that make sense? Yeah. I like that pivot of the meaning of the phrase, despite it being identical. I did my best not to hold the repeated chorus against this one, because I feel like after hitting three in a row at the beginning of the album, I was extra sensitive to it. Yeah, you were. It's just, you know, the album started with three in a row of something that I've been known to hate on this podcast. And so now anywhere possible on the rest of the album, even though we haven't had one since track three, and it's not a universal bad thing it's just like i was getting worried she wasn't able to write anything but that in her choruses she broke out of it she broke out of it and she's returned the form but you know again one here or there you can make a repeated chorus be okay especially with such a good pre-chorus there's a hole where your heart lies and i can see it with my third eye yeah like on this one the chorus felt more like a stinger to the pre-chorus then it did its own thing 100 percent. whereas on the first three they did still feel like kind of its own thing to me i almost i mean would call what you're calling the pre-chorus the chorus and pivot what you're calling the chorus to a post-chorus i mean that's all kind of semantics anyway but what a song we're kind of on a roller coaster here i'm going if you're looking at the peaks and valleys you got the peaks various storms and saints long and lost third eye valley delilah cot yeah it kind of feels like I'm on the opposite roller coaster as you. Like, you know, like that one at King's Island where they were racing next to each other? Yeah. This is kind of like that, where my peaks are your valleys and my valleys are your peaks. Shout out to all the people who know what King's Island is and all the people who don't. It's like a popular amusement park. Yeah. I don't know. If I had my choice, if I lived like out in Iowa and then my choice to go on vacation somewhere to go visit King's Island or like Disney World, I'm not going to King's Island. No. <laughs> well, it's an island of kings. <laughs> yeah, but how many queens of peace do they have on that island? Probably none. Yeah. Florence says, when you reach a level of fame and attention, it can make you feel quite unworthy to be compelled to need that catharsis and exorcism, there's obviously going to be an underlying dissatisfaction. She said, Third Eye was trying to learn to be just happier in my own skin. I also really love the image. Don't make a shadow of yourself. What an awesome line. But that's Third Eye. Up next is another song about rain and a storm and water. St. Jude. It's such an interesting song to me. St. Jude. Is this a peak or a valley for you? If Third Eye was a bit of a peak overcaught i'm curious about saint jude i can't decide okay mixed emotions well because this song disappointed me a little bit in one way one way and one way only well that means there are a million other ways that it did not mixtaper taught me that during factor spin (laughs) and now you're using it against me so you start kind of soft with verse one Mm-hmm. And then you go into this pre-course that builds up a little bit. And then you build up to this course that builds up just a teeny bit more. But we're still relatively soft. We're growing and growing and growing. We're slowly growing. And then verse 2 builds even more. Like verse 2 is the most intense part of the song thus far. And then you hit the second chorus and they back it back down again. 
And I'm like, no. Oh, you just had to keep, <laughs> keep going? building. I just want it to be one gradual build all the way to like a big final chorus. Then maybe the outro or something you could fade back down to in the song. I don't know. I haven't thought it through 100%. But I just, it really disappointed me that that second chorus went back down to first chorus level after every single transition in the song thus far had built. Yeah, that does make sense. And I could see why you would want that. And honestly, I never noticed it before. And now I probably will. And it will probably bug me. Yeah. So I think I'm going to call it a valley, but I still really liked it. Okay. A valley with peakish qualities. <laughs> a peakish valley. Yeah. That's like an oxymoron. St. <laughs> Jude, canonically, is the patron saint of lost causes and... Oh, I thought you were going to say this patron saint of water. <laughs> patron saint of water. No, but boy, that'd be, that'd be ironic. But it, it is also the name of a massive windstorm that wrecked northwestern Europe in late 2013. So the song blends those two things together in the context of a failing relationship. This relationship's a lost cause. This relationship is a terrible storm that's destroying everything in its path. Neither is super positive. A conversation with no destination. A battle never won. Each side is a loser. So who cares who fired the gun? The damage is done. The destruction's caused. Man, it's just so good. Even though I'm grieving, I'm trying to find the meaning. Letting loss reveal it in the throes of this storm. Ah, I like it a lot. And so I guess the implication of combining these images is that it's going to take some sort of divinity to calm the storm that the relationship has turned into. That's wild. I just like it a lot. Lyrically, such a subtle, strong point for this album. I'm going to call it a peak, but with valley tendencies. Oh. Yeah. Also, fun fact, the historical biblical character St. Jude was killed alongside St. Simon, a name that you might recognize as the title of a song from the Shins record, Shoots Too Narrow. Oh. Yeah. They're not really related in any way, the songs, but, you know, just a fun little <laughs> spin it tie-in. This is our second saint-titled song. Fair enough. Yeah. And last but not least, the album closes with Mother. Interesting, interesting closing track, I think. I don't know how I feel about Mother as the closer, because it's a bit loud and rowdy, and in certain ways, it does put a great cap on the album. But on the other hand, I, I just don't know. What did you think? Album closer, yes, no. Mother, good, bad. Medium. I like it. Yeah. I mean, I like it too. Do you like where it is? Yeah. I thought I like it better than like St. Jude would be as the album closer. I think it brings us around to that sound we got on Ship to Wreck. Mm. I think it brings us kind of full circle on sound. Oh, yeah. It's a little bit more guitar in here too, which I like. You're right. It is kind of a full circle on sound. Mother has been described, and I think I agree, as a Jefferson Airplane-esque psychedelic blues explosion. Oh. I like that. I think there's some really, really cool chords in this song that are kind of in this pared-down intro before we really break out of it into the flow of the song. I do like it a lot. And Mother is a song where she's like deep into nature imagery. Another thing that she kind of draws on a lot, but also like tried to stay a little bit away from on this album, but here she just really digs into it. She's appealing to this Mother Earth-like character to change her into clouds and trees and all sorts of things. It's such a cool concept. And I do, I really like your thought that it's full circle back to Ship to Wreck. See, I have a lot of good thoughts this episode. You have a lot of good thoughts every episode. Well, I don't know, maybe not say that. Some, most, most episodes. Yeah. We don't want to get sued for false advertising. We're starting off 2024 on good thoughts. On a, on a peak. On a peak. Yeah. A peakish peak. Yeah. Well, uh, shall we get into final spin? Yeah, let's shall. Let, that doesn't mean <laughs> anything. Yes, let's. Let's do it. Okay. I know 
this isn't a water album, okay? I know it. Yeah. But it's certainly a nature album with plenty of water imagery throughout, even still. And I think How Big, How Blue, How Beautiful is an excellent title for the album because it really does strive. I mean, now that you mention it, that title kind of is water. Like, it could be about the ocean. How big, it how is. Yeah, blue, absolutely. how beautiful. <laughs> yeah, very much about the ocean and the sky. I just am now looking at this whole album through the lens of her trying to squeeze in every water reference possible past. As many as she can get by. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I think it's a great title for the album because this record really does strive to find beauty and brokenness and perseverance through hard times. And I think it really just asserts itself and kind of forces you to engage with it whether you want to or not. I think that's a really unique quality. I think some albums can like make a point, but you have to like put in the work to engage with that point i don't think how big how blue how beautiful is that way i think this one throws it in your face shamelessly and like forces you into it i'm giving music a 93 i love it a lot of these songs are are so memorable and so catchy choruses big and small alike are just really good honestly the only places i think the music kind of dips are on the slower songs that are so lifted up by their lyrical content i don't even notice speaking of lyrical content giving lyrics an 88 there's a lot of good metaphors a lot of really clever wordplay a lot of really just interesting sentences and expressions and ways to convey emotion love it a lot a lot of water instruments of production i'm giving a 92 like i talked about you know each of these songs kind of brings something new to that table nothing ever feels out of place but everything feels different and new in its own unique way and i like that a lot i think it helps the album flow really well it just keeps it engaging and for the overall vibe 91 it's it's a heavy emotional album but it's like still enjoyable and entertaining from a music standpoint i really like that dichotomy overall score 92.0 putting it at number 51 51 just above green day's american idiot i almost thought it'd go a little higher well it maybe could have if i was anticipating top 50 almost maybe even top 20 no well here's the deal about that this was the second florence and the machine record i listened to and much like you had you know the effect where you listen to one and then the rest felt lesser i started with high as hope here are the numbers for high as hope Gets a 94 for music, 93 for lyrics, both higher scores than this one, 95 for instruments and production, and a 96 for the vibe. Every score is higher than How Big, How Blue, How Beautiful. And that's called Higher Hope? High as Hope. High as Hope. Yeah. Its overall score is a 95.2, and it's number 17. Oh, wow. There it is. Top 20, like I figured. Top 20. I think probably these two records are maybe two of the highest scoring back-to-back releases in my entire spreadsheet. Wow. Of all 700-some that I've ranked, I think these are probably the two highest back-to-back, almost certainly. So, yeah, I think maybe it could have made top 50 if this was like the first and only Florence and the Machine that I knew, but it didn't. It got beat out by Billy Joel's The Stranger. Oh, well. So that's where I'm at. I'm not ready to give mine yet. Not ready to give your score yet. Oh, my goodness. This has maybe been the hardest score that I've had to give. Really? Like, to figure out what to give it. That's incredible, because it was such a hard choice for me. And Factor Spin was so back and forth. Like, this is a this is an episode of uncertainty. Since we started talking about the album, I've been a little quiet during your final spin because I've been frantically listening to another album, just kind of going through different snippets of each song. Oh, of one we've already done. Of one we've already done to determine if I like it better or worse than this one. Wow. And it's the hardest decision. And it's the hardest thing you've ever had to do. That's a lyric from Caught. 
Oh, it's so hard to pick. Oh, can I know? Well, I guess I can't know until you give your score. <laughs> Do you at least have a number? All right, I'll go ahead and give the number. Okay. This one is gonna get... We're coming out of the valley. We're getting a nine peakish intracourse valleys out of ten. Yes, skid breakers. Florence and the machine broke the skid. We turned that <laughs> six upside down. Sure did. Nines to start off 2024. Oh, I'm stoked. Yes, let's go. So you're putting it in your nines. Oh, yeah. So what are we comparing it to? I'm trying to decide how good of a year we're starting 2024 off with. Yeah? This is the first album you've brought. Really? That has a chance to dethrone the queen. Wow. In the same sense of I did not know a single song. I was confusing them with Rage Against the Machine going into this. (laughs) But I am ready to dive in. To other Florence and the Machine albums. Heck yeah, dive in. But you know, it's very water heavy, so you have plenty to dive into. Yeah, pretty deep. <laughs> yes, you'll land safely in all the water. As long as I go in like in an actual dive and not like a belly flop. Yeah. But I can't, I've been frantically listening to Future Nostalgia since she started Final Spin, trying to determine if it breaks it or not. Future Nostalgia is just such a good album. It is. This is exciting. I think it doesn't quite get there. I think this one's going to go right below the Queen Dua Lipa. Really? I think so. What's holding it back? So, like where, what's your like straw that broke the camel's back? It may just be the the genre doesn't lend itself mm. to what it needs to be. Because like Future Nostalgia has this dance pop vibe that every time I click on one of these tracks, I'm instantly just hit with this literal wave of nostalgia back to that episode. And I'm like immediately like thumping to the, to the song. And I like, I know the song. I'm like, yes, this is a catchy one. Oh, wait, which one was physical? Oh, man, another catchy one. Oh, how does boys will be boys go? Oh, man, I can't believe I forgot that. You know, I'm just getting hit by it every time I hit play on one. It's a wave of past nostalgia now. (laughs) Whereas this indie rock vibe that this one has, while I really, really, really enjoyed all of these songs, as I go back through them and hit play again on them, it has that softer edge to it that doesn't make it immediately just jump out at me. And so it may be being hindered by that Mm. and just the nostalgia factor of the queen. Wow, I almost did it. I don't know. Will I ever? I don't know. I mean, you did with Phil Collins and Elton John, but that's because I already knew those albums. That doesn't really count. Yeah, that's kind of not fair. But what I'm really curious about, James, is you say you like High as Hope better. So much better. Yes. And so I think that's where I'm going to start. And I think what we can do is do a little spin it stream okay where we can revisit you know maybe in the same month that this album comes out sometime around the time this actually comes out do a little catch up by then enough time will pass for me to have listened to high as hope and we can kind of review whether or not you made the right choice on which one to bring since you weren't sure which one to bring and i'll be able to tell you if maybe high as hope would have dethroned the queen or if you made the right choice by bringing this one. I love that I I love that idea. That's something I've kind of wanted to do for a while now, especially for these episodes where I'm so stuck on what album I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> and I just can't choose. I think this can be become a fun maybe once a month, once every two months, you know, whatever frequency we really want 
where we just pick an artist that we haven't talked about in a while and we look at the one we picked versus other ones by them maybe some of the more well-known artists like for example this one isn't quite as far back as i was originally pitching but it's the best example i've got looking at my list real fast journey right (laughs) yeah i picked frontiers specifically because i didn't want to be overpowered on the album that has don't stop believing but we could do kind of like a journey look back and say had we picked the album with don't stop believing how would it have performed better or worse for you did i make the right call Mm -hmm. i love that keep an eye on our youtube on our twitch twitch.tv slash spin it pod and that's a thing we might do that'd be so much fun i love high as hope i don't listen to it as much as i should because it's just such a full album experience i don't know we'll get into it i'll be honest i'll probably be listening to future nostalgia tomorrow <laughs> just because those little sound bits i got listening through it really put me in a dua lipa mood mm-hmm. that's understandable but first we got to finish being in a florence in the machine mood yes my top three yes Brand new, fresh, clean slate for the new year here. Yes, I'm on a fresh slate because of the little mini game from last week. I got all my picks back. You did. Earned them, really. Yeah. And so it's like when you get a new paycheck, right? You instantly just go, oh, how can I spend this money? Burning a hole in your pocket. So uh, I want to spend these picks. Spend away. I'll take six of them. Six. Okay. Is Does that include your honorable mention or is that like an extra? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I just felt like taking half the album. Understandable. Honestly, can't even complain. So we're going to take Ship to Wreck. Nice. Even with the bad chorus. Even with the bad chorus. What kind of man? Even, even with, with the, the bad, bad chorus. chorus. Carmel mention how big how blue how beautiful wow even, even with, with bad the chorus. chorus and then with some good choruses queen of peace Woo! absolutely various storms and saints not where i would have picked and long and lost taking the peaks <laughs> yeah i guess so fantastic so that's two episodes you'll lose your picks now yep worthy spending what do you think about a playlist song though i feel like we're gonna need to negotiate this week we might have to but will we though i don't know i mean you still have that veto override so your pick can be absolute if you so choose it's more what i want your pick to be (laughs) Uh uh-huh well i think we're pretty unanimous on queen of peace right now yeah seem to be that one it's what do we do with the other one good question i kind of would honestly go sequential again with how big how blue how beautiful maybe i could be persuaded for that if i had my personal pick for both Mm -hmm. it would be sequential but the other way with queen of peace and various storms and saints but i know you didn't seem to be that big a fan of various storms and saints which is where the negotiating comes in (laughs) yes not the biggest fan my main argument was gonna be that gives you that more ballad style but how big how blue how beautiful kind of does that on the chorus but not really to me, I was like, Queen of Peace and Various Storms and Saints gives me both of what I liked on this album because I really liked those really powerful ballads like Various Storms and Saints. But I also really liked the in-your-face, more rock, less indie-style songs like Queen of Peace. Man, she just sings the heck out of Various Storms and Saints, though. I'm listening to it right now. I know, right? It's so good! She, There's the emotion in it. Yeah. I can get behind it. Okay. When we get down the road, I'll be like, why the heck did I do that? But then I'll listen to it and I'll be like, okay. Yeah. Because I do. I honestly think I underappreciate it. Maybe this will increase my appreciation. Perfect. Love it. Lock it in. Boom. But that brings us to the close. Sure does. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening into the brand new year. Heck yeah. You can find all the stuff from the old year. The brand old year. The brand old. Yeah. Everywhere you get your podcasts. (laughs) Yeah, everywhere, especially where you're listening to this one right now. But the best place to listen to our podcast and 
find all of our other supplementary content b-side cuts of your favorite episodes and your least favorite episodes maybe and your least favorite episodes potentially bonus content like blooper reels and hot chicken takeover videos and legos all sorts of stuff can be found on our website www.spinitpod.com and you can find us of course like we said at twitch keep an eye out for cool things spin it pod or our twitter x at spin it pod it's 2024 and i'm still saying twitter oh my goodness <laughs> twitter is so 2022 our instagram is at spin it pod official and you already said the website thing sure did it feels incomplete now yeah stole your thunder on that one that's okay tell a friend about the podcast tell a friend who smells like themselves and maybe also has an esophagus yeah not necessarily one they'd be willing to donate but bonus points if they do hey add me to the list of people willing to donate hashtag esophagus challenge no (laughs) don't do that just enjoy yourself just have a good week have a good 2024 and until next week when we see you again with another album actually another album i struggled a lot to pick and maybe made the wrong choice but i think it's the right one and i'm very excited to talk about it have a good week and keep spinning keep spinning i think that sentence (laughs) made sense but i lost the thread somewhere in the middle yeah i also wasn't sure where i was supposed to jump in with keep spinning but yeah do it we got there Man, I really wanted this one to be the queen. It felt worthy. Florence and the Machine may be the queen of peace, but Philippa is the queen of my nines. So I'm just excited, and I didn't want to point it out to make you like second guess things. But now that the episode's like over, over, I'm just excited it beat Classic Hearts. Yeah, it went above Miley Cyrus. Well, let's uh, let's get out of here and go find another ship to wreck. <sighs> what kind of man would do that? Come on. We would be a queen of peace named Delilah. Don't get caught wrecking ships by your mother. St. Jude by her third eye. Oh, she's got it, yeah, third eye in the back of her head. Yeah, well, eh, that's good enough. You didn't even do how big, how blue, how beautiful. Eh, that one we got long and lost. Darn you! <laughs> <laughs> I gave you a way back into it. <laughs>